Welcome to For the Record, our bi-weekly show in which we take one recently released album and take a deep dive into it. You can listen to us every other Thursday on BFF.FM at 9.30am or subscribe to the podcast at ForTheRecordPodcast.com. For this episode, we're listening to the second album by Alabama Shakes called Sound and Color, which starts out with the title track. off to a seemingly gentle start here with these sweet down-tempo vibraphones for about a minute before the vocals actually get started. But it is also pretty dramatic, and I like that there are these subtle harmonic shadings. I do kind of get this feeling of a musical where you hear some instrumental, and then whoever the main character, you know, starts singing her internal thoughts, and here she's waking up and looking out the window, and she's singing this song that expresses how, how she feels, And I think it's mostly optimistic, but there is this hint of anxiety, and that's really driven home towards the end of the song. We get these strings rising up and becoming increasingly dissonant at the conclusion. Yeah, right out of the gate, this band is making clear that they're not just going to do another Roots Rock revival that won them so much success on their debut album. I mean, contrast this first track with the first track off of Boys and Girls, which was Hold On, and that was just an extremely powerful anthem that a lot of people considered to be the best single of 2012. Just as a refresher, it starts out with that great line, Bless my heart, bless my soul, didn't think I'd make it to 22 years old. Bless my heart, bless my soul. that made them famous and it would have been really easy to play it safe and make a second album in that sort of blues revival style and they chose not to do that yeah that sound is certainly part of the mix but i think there's a much wider range of influences and to the extent that there's a standout sound on this album i think it's more motown soul than southern blues 
Yeah, actually, Brittany Howard, who is the vocalist and also plays guitar, said that one of the band's big influences on this record was 1970s-era Temptations. That influence really shows through on the second track and the lead single, which is called Don't Wanna Fight. Don't cross them lines What you like What I like Why can't we both be right This track really unleashes Brittany Howard's voice and it kicks off the vocals with this sort of strangled whisper scream. And I think it lets you know that this song means business and where that first song I think was much more contemplative. This one is really combative, but I like that there's that combative sound, the strong, aggressive tone. And then the lyrics are discussing the futility of conflict you know, attacking, defending, till there's nothing left worth living. The rest of the band kind of backs up that theme with these interlocking guitar and bass parts that are playing against each other in a way that really frames her vocals. It's worth noting that Brittany Howard gets all the attention because she's got a great story. She had never been outside Alabama when their first record was released, and she's only 26. She was 22 at the time. And then, of course, she has that amazing voice. But the rest of the band is just as talented, and this album gives them more room to really be full participants and not just sound like they're session musicians who might have been brought in to back her up. Yeah, you did mention that interplay between the guitar and bass, and I think the guitar work here is really strong. And you know, we talked about 70s soul as an influence, and I'm reminded here, I think, of a different 70s musical phenomenon where you had bands like Led Zeppelin taking a traditional blues sound and then blowing it up to fill arenas, and I don't think it's the same approach here or the same sound, but there's some of that same spirit where this band is pushing to make the sound bigger and more dramatic. And I think it helps to make the song as catchy as it is. I hear a little of that same expansive ambition in this next track, Future People.
not sure I love this song, but I really like the experimentation they're doing here. First of all, Brittany Howard is doing something different with her voice. She's singing in this high falsetto rather than the power belt that she usually does. And then guitarist Teeth Fogg is backing up with this weird guitar line that almost sounds like a classical Japanese stringed instrument, like that that same kind of tone. And then at the chorus, you get this weird, super fat, distorted bass that just comes in like the Kool-Aid man through a brick wall and turns it into almost a psychedelic funk piece. Yeah, you say you're not sure that you love it, but I, for one, said, oh, yeah. Yeah, when that, yeah, sorry. You have that. to say it more like the Kool-Aid okay. man. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, that's guys, I don't know. Is that Kool-Aid man or uh, George Takei? Uh, anyway, they, oh, that's oh my. Anyway, the, uh, when the buzz comes in, it just really took me away. I love it so much. And there's that funky beat. There's this sort of exoticism of that guitar line you mentioned. And then there's this wall of bass sound that comes in. And these, I don't feel like they should work together in the same song. But I, I don't see the seams. It just is completely effective and catchy as hell. And there's even backing vocals in the mix, and it just makes it that much more intense and experience. All that, you know, it's such a fun experience musically. I don't know what this song is about, and I'm not sure I care. Yeah, I couldn't really pick out the lyrics on most of the song either, but I did read a review where it said that she's talking about people who have died sort of leading her as spirit guides, and that's presumably a reference to the fact that her older sister, who was her only sibling, died of cancer when Brittany Howard was 10. But like you said, it doesn't really matter. That sound is really all about the instrumentation. The next song we'll play has a lot more straightforward message, and that's Gimme All Your Love. Going on, but you can always come around. Why don't you sit with me for just a little while? Tell me what's wrong. The message may be straightforward here, but the structure is certainly not. There's this huge contrast between these slow, pretty quiet verses, and then there's just these powerful drums and organ bursts in the chorus, and they're just so dramatic. And then later in the song, I think on, on an album, there's a number of really impressive and very catchy instrumental bridges. The song has a bridge, which I think just stands out. There's this high energy interplay between the guitar and the organ, and it just shifts the song into a new gear. It's just this rollicking conclusion that's just really warm, and it's totally unexpected from the way the song begins. There's so many great details in this track, and I love that the, the, the way that in the clip we played, we hear her laugh and then it echoes or is kind of like double-tracked, and it's such a weird little touch that keeps the song lighthearted and not feeling kind of sad or pathetic. Um, you know, you have to give a lot of credit to Blake Mills, who produced this record, and he did some work with Connor Oberst and is developing a reputation for being someone who can manage that vintage to modern translation really well and get the tone just right, because I think that's difficult. Yeah, th- this organ sound is extremely warm, and it's really reminiscent of those past soul hits, and 
then though it goes to some really interesting places harmonically and i think it's not just there for nostalgia and you know and i like that mixing up but i think there are actually a couple tracks on the album where it is just down the middle with a really straightforward soul throwback but you know they're not as innovative necessarily but i think they still sound great like this next track guess who because there's a lot of really interesting orchestration thrown into the back end. In the last 30 seconds or so, you get strings and a vibraphone, and that just helps end the song in a really satisfying way. Anyway, you talked about influences earlier, and I'm not sure if I'm the only one, but I kept hearing What's Going On by Marvin Gaye. Yeah, I I think there's a little of that there, and I think it's kind of inevitable when you're so directly embracing a classic style, a classic genre like this, that you're going to step on the toes of the greats. And not sure whether that's intentional or not, just kind of inevitable. But, you know, everything about the sound of this song feels like such a classic Motown love song. And then the lyrics are comparatively really ambiguous that the very first line is, I can't tell you how I feel. And then even when we get to the dramatic conclusion, she doesn't want anything exciting. It's just all I want is peace of mind. (laughs) And so I, I think that that lyrical context really makes that classic sound seem more fresh. I also love the fact that she's continuing to experiment with her voice. And in this song, she's just singing in this soft, pretty way that might not be as exciting as hearing her unleash the power on a song like Give Me All Your Love. But it demonstrates what a talented and versatile vocalist she is. But as I said before, she doesn't let her voice dominate all the songs, even though she easily could. And in fact, on the next track we'll play, called The Greatest, the guitar and bass riffs are really the highest in the mix and stand out almost more than her vocals. Trying to be my baby. My 
yeah, that clip we heard just covers so much ground. And we have these multiple tempo shifts, these moments where the vocals get really staccato to signal a transition. There are these rock guitars that to me really are almost like a 50s style throwback. But then there's that joyful organ bridge we heard a little of. And I think this is as good a time as any to mention just that there's this great consistency in the song length on this album. Every song but one is between three and four and a half minutes. And so they're all pretty compact and yet so many of them managed to squeeze so much into that running time and i just think there's more music on this not particularly long album than there are on far longer epic albums out there yeah there's such a diversity of tempos and tones and styles here and in another context i would find it frustrating because as you know i really like to listen to a record as a complete work of art where the artist has something cohesive to say over the course of the album And I don't really think that's the case here. There's kind of a general tone about love and loss and coming to terms with difficult relationships, but there's not a a real consistent theme that I could identify. But I actually love this album because it would have been so easy for this band to just follow up on their extremely successful first album with a predictably successful second album that was done in the same style and kind of played to the same audience. Instead, they've given us something... That's all over the map and really sends the message that, hey, we've got so many ideas and so much potential and we're not a one trick pony. And I think that takes a lot of confidence and it makes me really excited to hear what their third album is going to sound like. Yeah, I like that we're talking about the artistic ambition on this particular song because the lyrics are almost suggesting that ambition is overrated. There's this great line, I never really meant to be the greatest. I only wanted to be your baby. In fact, that's how the song starts. And it's almost like the greatness is more of an accidental byproduct of pursuing passion and love. And, you know, and I think it's true, though, you think about these bands that set out to make a number one hit and that they aren't the bands that are making the best music. And so, you know, this song, I like, it ends, you mentioned the laughing earlier, this also ends with this sort of triumphant kind of laugh where it's ha-ha, and it's almost like, you know, they don't care what you think, this is what they want to do, and as a result, it's much better than someone who's shooting for that number one hit. Uh, And then after, you know, this sort of ambition and high energy, and then I think we turn back to a somewhat more understated take on loneliness called shoegaze.
my favorite track on this album, not just because it's upbeat and catchy, but I think it's the best example of why Brittany Howard is so charming and relatable. You've got this song where she could come across as being very self-pitying, and the lyrics are about being lonely and getting carried away with your thoughts all alone in the house at night. But then she titles it Shoegaze to just indicate that she recognizes that this is kind of self-involved navel-gazing, and then she finishes each verse with this chorus of, I can't help everything, and she's just letting it go, and I just find everything about that so genuine and appealing. Yeah, this track ends up being not even a little bit self-indulgent, at least for me. I think it manages this really impressive alchemy where she's you know, accepting her own limitations, and it's so freeing to her, and her sadness and loneliness somehow become triumphant. And she does this in the context of, you know, again, crazy musical elements. There's this almost country-sounding twangy guitar, and then there's this just... You know, I keep talking about warmth, but the organ sound here is just so classic with this warm vibrato and it just would not be out of place on a gospel record. And I think it's just another example of this combination that should not work. And yet it comes together in this really satisfying way. And, uh, you know, why? where this song is, you know, I think embracing this really universal theme, this universality of loneliness, the next track gets really specific and anticipating possible loneliness in in a you know relationship that may not work out. It's called Miss You. I'm gonna miss you And you'll make it master And you'll be leaving in your Honda car. Well is it true? space of that clip we played how Brittany Howard really embraces the range of her voice in this song. She goes from a very quiet talk singing in the beginning of the verse to just pouring her soul out in the chorus. And even even though this is a pretty straight ahead retro soul piece, I just think it's a great song. The backing musicians play it just right with the way that they amp up their intensity right along with her 
amping up her emotional intensity with her voice. Yeah, I, I worry a little that I'm sounding like a broken record here, but just song after song in this album pulls off this feat of just being completely rooted and deeply rooted in the past, and yet somehow managing to stay fresh with this self-awareness and sense of humor. And, you know, I talked about the specificity introducing this song, and it opens describing her partner's Mickey Mouse tattoo and Honda Accord. <laughs> And all I can say, just this person sounds really basic. Uh huh. And just, it's just kind of this cliche. Yeah, I was actually trying to parse whether Mickey Mouse tattoo was kind of like an insult or whether she liked it. Well, I think it's kind of both. Like, I think yeah. she's embarrassed that she likes it. Yeah. And I think that's a really good reading. And I think, and, and I think that she kind of recognizes that she's out of his league, at least on paper. And she even finds it necessary to, you know, add this uh, in the second verse of, I don't love you because I'm bored. Because, you know, someone might think that because, I mean, why would she be with me? I don't know. (laughs) Uh, But then the chorus just has this, I'm yours, I'm yours. And there's so much passion there that, you know, I'm convinced that this is real and that it might work out for the long run. And, you know, I think that's as good a place for to say that, like, yeah, that's how I feel about this album, that it just is so convinced. I'm convinced that this is this band is going to work out for the long run. Yeah, you're right. There, there really is nothing more basic than being into Disney. Disney. Let's go on a <laughs> Disney cruise. Anyway. Um, yeah. So I totally agree with you 100 percent. This album really shows that their cup just runneth over with ideas. In fact. The penultimate track that we won't play is called Gemini, and that gets even weirder, and it's almost a psych rock kind of space jam that goes on for almost seven minutes, which is unfortunately a little bit too long. But then on the last track, which we'll go out on, it comes back to a more traditional R&B sort of direction, and, and it, but it includes Brittany Howard's voice looped over itself and some other weird effects that just make me really excited to hear what they're going to do next. So enjoy this last track, which is called Over My Head, We've been discussing Sound and Color by Alabama Shakes, and this has been For the Record. Thanks for listening. I'm in over my head I don't think of you Bits and pieces I think of you only Like a miracle Loving so deeply I feel it throughout my past life feels good I'm never saying goodbye It feels good I'm never saying
I'm 